Hello and welcome to another episode. My name is Ross. And I'm Craig. Um, and it's time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. Well, Craig, another week has gone by. How are you? Are you right? I'm good. Yeah. Can't complain. Can't complain. Even though you're now... Wait, are you in lockdown now? I've been in lockdown pretty much, yeah, since the beginning of... End of September, I think. Yeah. And it's now becoming illegal, I think, for some people from from England to come to the... So basically what we... Our Snowden trip, for certain people, is now illegal. Thankfully so, to be honest, because it was very silly how um, where I live in Bajend, I'm not allowed to go to Tenby, which is a holiday destination on the south coast of Wales, because yeah. it's a different county. I'm not allowed there. However, you are, and, and, even, some, and even someone who's on lockdown in, say, Bolton, yeah. who's England's most riddled, are allowed to come down Bolton. and stay in Tenby. Britain's most riddled. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and they're allowed, which is super silly. It is. I very politely put there. Super silly. Um, right. Okay. Well, uh, the, do, let's get to the news, shall we? Yes. Uh, I only have a couple of pieces. That's all right. You, so, you go. Do you want to go ahead? Uh, yep. Uh, I'll go first. Um, Alphabet. Um, so the guys who are now the kind of like overarching container of Google. Uh, they have an X Labs, as I'm sure you know about, and they've built a plant buggy. A, a plant buggy. A plant buggy. And it's a cute AI farmer. So the entire point of this little buggy right now is AI driven and is part of a moonshot project team they have in X Labs. And it's basically a crop inspecting robot that can travel along fields using GPS and AI and inspect uh, different types of plants, uh, check soil depth, um, chemical composition, pretty much like the Mars rovers, kind of on the, not on Mars. Like a, a farmer rover. Yeah, basically. So, you know, hundreds of those guys farming your field for you. And it just keeps collecting data on, yeah, field, plant heights, fruit size, etc., on environmental factors. And does a lot of the um, uh, sort of like forecasting for you when when to harvest. Uh, maybe give this this plants over here maybe some time, maybe some more nutrients. Doesn't actually do the farming. It's no. more of an analysis tool. Although what they probably should get it to do is there was um, a robot made, and all it did was basically um, mess up the soil as it yeah around, and that was it. And that was enough to stop lots of weeds. Oh, cool. Well, maybe maybe can do that. Maybe just like drag a little like core hanger behind it or something. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't take much. From from what I can tell, it just the seed will land, and then it just you know it it just needs a little bit of time to kind of grab on. So if you keep mm. disturbing the soil, it doesn't get the chance. Yeah, so I think it's a quite a cool little idea. Even though I compared it to the Mars rover, which was built maybe ten years ago and has been remote controlled on Mars, which is very cool. Mm. This does seem to be a Cool thing too, in the sense it's completely AI driven. Uh, you can just chuck hundreds of these. They come in different uh, varieties and different sizes and they can work together. And you could just catalog, you know, acres at a time of your fields. 
uh, every day, I suppose, continuously, and continuously monitor. I guess wherever we're going. Um, I'm not sure if it's solar powered. No, not sure. No, not really sure on how they're powered. Yeah, some are. Some look to be solar powered. Should put a little photo of these. They kind of look a bit like Wally, you know. Wally. Like pics. Uh, exactly. Yeah, they got like eyes in them and stuff. You know, they. Well, they cute. cameras, aren't they? Yeah, but they they purposely put them like kind of looks like you know broom. Remember that thing? Yeah. Like BBC <laughs> kind of looks like that stroke stroke Wally. All right. Cool. What's yeah. That? Cool. That image here. I don't see it, but let's just assume it's an R. Yes, add, add an image, and then there's a there's a prototype, which is basically two bikes and a solar panel in between them. So nice to know they started from bare basics. Cool. Uh, and my second piece of news is there's a Scottish drone port coming uh, to service offshore wind farms. So this will be Scotland's that were now being built everywhere, according to Boris. That one. Those ones. Yes, exactly. Those ones. So a drone port. So this is the first of its kind in the UK. And as it as it sounds, this is basically a port for drones whose job will be at first is testing these drones. It'll be the first place to actually test these out in the North Sea, you know, quite windy. Not really sure how drones okay. will fare. Yeah. Um fly into the blade and kill themselves, yeah. Yeah, but after a while, uh, the entire point of these drones would be to do all the low-risk um, efforts, such as um, inspections, deliveries, um, general maintenance, you know, simple things. Uh, they are pegged to eventually carry passengers. So that's also pretty cool. Have a drone to take an engineer to a, a wind farm. I do not want to be in a drone in an as an engineer going towards a blade, spinning blade, going, yep, all fine. <laughs> In, in the very windy Scottish North Sea. <laughs> sound appealing to me. It, it doesn't. Um, and some of these platforms are up to 200 kilometers offshore. So, you know, that's not, that's not a quick journey. That's, that's quite a long way. Yeah. And they um, only work for like an hour and then they'll fall in the sea. I'm sure. Well, you'd, you'd hope not. I suppose when they get there, maybe they plug into the wind turbine and charge for an hour or something. <laughs> that, that's maybe a nice way to give it that excess energy we're going to have. <laughs> um, so other than that, that's all I have. Scotland's cool drones and Alpha X's plant buggy. So what have you got? Oh, uh, very cool tech news. I like those ones. Um, okay. Well, I have got, uh, first of all, chemists, those clever little people that do chemistry. Um, they've used microwaves to convert plastic bags, milk bottles, and other supermarket packaging into a clean source of hydrogen. Mm. So the density of hydrogen in a plastic bag is about 14%. Um, and uh, plastic is offering a new possible source for countries, as in the hydrogen source, um, who want to make hydrogen uh, cleanly, uh, obviously for climate change purposes. Um, but the, most, the, the existing approach is uh, usually involves heating up to very, very high temperatures of more than 750 degrees Celsius, uh, which obviously requires yeah. a energy to do that, to de decompose the plastic into something called syngas, which is hydrogen and carbon monoxide. And then they use a second step to clean that off to get rid of the carbon monoxide so that you end up with hydrogen left over there. So it normally works. Um, but the, the team who are, who've just come up with this thing 
um, basically they've put, it's only like a small scale test at the minute, but what they've basically done is they, they got shredded plastic mixed up with a kitchen blender as you do um and they've mixed it with iron oxide and aluminium oxide and then they basically shoved it in a microwave at a thousand watts um and the the iron oxide and the aluminium oxide has created a uh, hot spots in the plastic and then basically it's released all the hydrogen out of it and they recovered 97 percent of the gas in the plastic within seconds wow so that's Pretty cool. And what's left over is um, basically carbon nanotubes, um, which hopefully that's got some use as well. Um, so it says here the single step approach has the advantage of just heating the catalyst and not all of the plastic, resulting in less energy use as the plastic does not absorb the microwaves. So, yeah, a new technique for getting hydrogen out of plastic. Using a microwave and iron filaments. Um, it said iron oxide and aluminium oxide. What? Right. Okay. Ah, uh, that seems that seems incredible. They've literally swapped an oven for a for a microwave. I thought it's quicker, isn't it? I mean, yeah. why why didn't they think of that before? Clearly, that's what we do use microwaves for. It's quicker. But I mean, it's nice to see the chemists are also working on this problem because they don't tend to get the big news. It's always the the physicists who are solving the big problems, and the chemists are the guys who kind of you know, aren't solving the COVID problem. So it's nice to see them. Should they be? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? I don't know. <laughs> Simply not. They're microwave plastic bags. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, next piece of news. Um, the European Union, or the EU as we normally call them, um, is about to formally reject a UK plea for special allowances for exports of electric vehicles in a post-Brexit trade deal. Um, Export from which way? So from from the UK to EU, we were saying, can can we exempt electric cars going across? And they've said no, um, which sounded bad until I kind of read into it a bit more. And then I've kind of switched the other way. Um, The reason they said no is because um, it was about whether or not the electric car well the electric car has to have at least i think i don't know if it's 50 percent, but it has to have the majority of the parts within the car being made originating from either the eu or the uk and if that was the case then they would offer it what they won't do is they're not going to allow us to basically take a bunch of japanese parts and a bunch of american parts assemble them together and then sell them to the eu market right so okay. once it seems bad on the face of it what that should do is encourage us to actually manufacture the stuff ourselves. Yes. I would consider it to be a good thing. Yeah. So. Well, I suppose it depends. I mean, like, for example, if Tesla did set up shop in um, Southwest England, they would effectively be using American technology. Would they be allowed to export into the EU? Or is that a completely separate subject? Because it's not really government. No. On the basis that they've already got German. Uh, German one, I suppose it applies mm. to them. But I, I think it's more probably for us, just for companies that are assemblers, whereas that's what they do, where they just won't get that. Yeah. That thing. So, so then, if you're if you're bringing importing parts in from Japan and America, then you know, I, I don't know, it doesn't feel like you deserve it anyway, frankly. 
Yeah. Okay. So just don't don't cheat. Don't cheat. And also, if you're if you're then manufacturing manufacturing it here in England, um, or in the UK, wherever it is, um, then that's also better for the environment, generally speaking, anyway, because you're not importing stuff from everywhere else. Hmm. Yeah. Less, of course, what you're importing in is steel. If you're making steel, well, then we have a slight issue because um, it was reported uh, at the beginning of this month that uh, England's first new coal mine in 30 years uh, had been approved in Cumbria. Um, and the purpose of the coal plant is to extract and process 2.7 million tonnes of metallurgical coal I think is otherwise known as coking coal, which I, as far as I know, it's just the coal that you use to get a, a, a heat up in a, in a, in an oven somewhere, um, furnace effectively. Um, normally we would import it from, uh, the U S Canada and Russia and Australia. Um, but we're trying to make the coal here. Um, but obviously somewhat goes against the whole 2050, low emission thing to the point where the actual coal plant itself has already got a plan even though it's not actually built yet um has a planned closure for 2049 oh nice okay <laughs> one year before the well probably december 31st 2049 um so that january 1st 2050 we're cut we're coal free um so yeah that got approved um however i don't quite know how to sound why the housing secretary is important here but the housing secretary robert jenrick has intervened uh and put a temporary stop on this but it it sound it doesn't sound like it's not a done deal it might still go ahead um so yeah this new coal mine if it does go ahead would emit eight million tons of carbon um wow so not really good but yeah that seems yeah that seems weird considering that we were talking about wind farms and make make build back britain better yeah and, and let's build that thing we built 100 years ago and start picking up stuff we used 100 years ago that sounds yeah. not better. the argument is that it's you know it's, it's jobs in the local area it's development blah 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 um because they're because the steel industry already imports the coal then actually they're saving emissions saving emissions mm. by not importing the coal we're just digging it out here but okay let's have a look at go back to the steel industry and let's question why the heck they need to use coal in the first place you have a, you have a steel industry near you so that presumably means they use coal there too very near me and yes they do uh okay. comes in by train and by port but um Yes, very unpopular opinion to say anything negative about the Port Talbot steel industry, mainly because it employs almost everyone in Port Talbot. No. Um, it's been there for a long time. It's been threatened with closure so many times. I'm not sure if the UK government has bailed them out or have agreed to bail out something, but it's run by a company called Tata Steel, who are an Indian company, I believe. And I mean, they're primarily there because it has a good water connection for shipments and mm -hmm. good rail connection. But ultimately, it's allowed Port Talbot to become the most polluted town in all of Europe. And 
I think the studies that were done previously was if you live in Port Talbot, uh, it, it takes roughly five years off your life. It's almost as if you've been a heavy smoker, yeah. but you've just been living very close to a steel. It, um, it sounds like it might be the coal that's to blame. Maybe. Not necessarily the steel. You know, obviously it's the making of the steel that requires the coal, but maybe that is something that if they were to... The, this was like one of the examples of where hydrogen might get put instead. Oh, really? Well, as in, like, if you hear about all the other industrial uses for hydrogen, clean energy, it's the idea that you're going to replace natural gas with hydrogen. So if you can replace, if, if you can do that, then presumably you can do the same thing with coal. You can replace coal with hydrogen as a heat source. And mm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we should look into it. But this for me is like the, um, the our little podcast thingy that we do quite happy the fact that we don't have that many people but this is one of the areas where like i wish we we actually did have because then yeah we could say like if you live in cumbria goodness sakes go and speak to your council whatever and you know try and stop something and actually have an impact and get it done because i don't think they would listen to um a guy in the southwest and the guy in, in, in wales but um yeah well i mean first verdict uh the mining did well for wales until it didn't most miners I know, ex-miners, um, are suffering with health, have CPD or white knuckle of some sort. It's not really a good job, even if it is a job. Um, yeah. And yeah, you typically have lung conditions, which right now in a, in a pandemic, which attacks the lungs, it's not a great place to be. No, good point. Mm. Yeah, so not recommended to become a miner. No, I'm, I'm, that makes me wonder whether there's going to be or whether, whether there is any statistical uh, information regarding how COVID has affected Port Talbot, whether it's more so because of the um, general air pollution. Yeah, potentially. That, I mean, that's that's why Banksy uh, did his little thing on the side of um, the shed to not, not actually celebrate, but uh, basically say like you guys are heavily polluted mm -hmm. and you know, maybe we should start thinking about not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't really know what they could do, but yeah, who furnace thing, as far as I've heard, I don't actually know, so don't quote me, but um, the furnace at the Tata steel site can't be turned off. It has to constantly run and has been running for years. If it goes dark, you can't restart it. That's right. what I've heard. So that's why they keep pumping coal into it. Uh, to replace it with hydrogen, you'd probably need, can I imagine you need a lot more hydrogen to get the same heat. So you would need like, I don't know, tons and tons of this all the time. And maybe the storage would become an issue because it would become dangerous. Mm. Interesting. Okay, well, in other news, um, last week we talked about um, Boris and his new wind mm. plans. And we talked about two issues that might come about because of it. And one of those was birds. Well, as you would expect, someone has now jumped onto that bandwagon and has released an article, uh, although caveat was on Daily Mail, um, basically where uh, a RSPB have sort of announced certain birds who do indeed nest in those areas and highlighting the fact that 
um, they often make these offshore wind farms in shallow water because it's easier for them to build it there. Um, mm. And that's also where birds have a tendency to forage for food. So mm. um, we are now endangering, if I can just quickly look at my little map here, we've got the Manx Shearwater, um, which is, uh, is basically is on the edge of Scotland, um, along with the Arctic Skewer, also in the Shetland Islands. Um, the Arctic Tern uh, up in Northumberland, the Gannets in um, Yorkshire, and the Puffins are the, the golden child of this particular um, article, uh, based around Yorkshire again. Um, and they all have wind farms proposed in the not too far away from those things. And these are all birds that are considered to be um, in the red danger zone or whatever, ones that have decreased by. 50% or something in the last 25 years. So yes, but it seems like there was a, it, it wasn't just going the classic, you know, there's birds who can't do it. They're all like, look, let's, let's look at this properly. Let's, you know, mm. we need to, we need to do something obviously to go to clean energy, but let's at least try and make it. Let's not have a, the nature as an afterthought, you know, we're, we're doing the whole reason we're doing wind energy is to try and um, make use of nature, work with nature to supply our energy that's not then screwed up by killing nature in the process yeah so you know yeah, hard concern which we expected hopefully they will um, at least listen it's the rspb so it's not like it's a but they're the ones we called we called them up last time as in i imagine what they have to say so it's nice to know that they actually have said something but i mean scotland's going to get a drone port can we teach drones to like fend away birds? Can they be perched on top of the wind turbines? If a bird comes near, like, zzzz, like move away. I don't feel like that's the right approach, but um. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking that the problem seems to be not necessarily that they're foraging that area; that they fly into these things. Uh, well, yeah, but if it is a if it's if it's a foraging ground that we're putting it in, and mm. they, they have to feed. So it maybe just don't put it there or, you know, maybe learn how to do it. Like they were talking about how, obviously the shallow water things is, is how they normally do it. But um, Boris did talk about floating the things out in the sea. So mm. maybe the, just basically maybe more of that and less of the, sh of the shallow water ones because they're going to get in the way. They should at least be able to go to their normal nesting grounds and to their feeding ground without being impeded, without requiring a drone to go, Hey, back off son. Nothing to see here. Mm. That's my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure to solve that problem, but that does seem to be a problem worth solving that I someone mean, could uh, really are, do a lot with. There are some dots on this map of proposed um, wind farms that are not near any of the birds. So, you know, there's like there's some in right in the top part of Wales. There's actually some on the south coast of Wales as well. Um, they're not being labelled as being a, a major problem. So, you know, maybe build more there. Okay, so basically we'll just plop all, I don't know, however many we're building, um, get the red ones, the danger ones, these ones could affect birds. And then this is a cost calculation. I mean, this wind farm here, high wind, was going to get about 10 megawatts a year, but could also probably kill about 600 birds. And then that needs to be a decision weighed up by someone. Hard decision, but uh, 
So that's someone's job somewhere, surely. You'd hope so. You would. You generally hope so. I mean, that's surely why they have departments in government. Our decisions. So that is all my news for today. Uh, cool. Well, um, not necessarily the birds, but thinking of nature in general and how we can maybe solve this on the grand scheme. Uh, there was a project, well, a prize rather, launched last week, the 6th of October, called the Earthshot Prize. Have you heard of this at all? Um, I feel like it's something to do with the Prince of Wales, I mean, Prince of someone? Yes, Prince, uh, Prince William, Prince, Prince William. William. Oh, got the wrong one. Prince Harry's yeah. no longer a prince. He's, he's oh. off in Canada somewhere. All right, right. I always get it wrong. I'm not, really, I'm not good at the royal family, to be honest. No. Um, yeah, he's Prince of Wales. He's, he's not Welsh, so we'll mention that again. But <laughs> um, so the Earthshot Prize is uh, it's planned to be the, the biggest initiative to date, um, effectively trying to get us all, or at least more private companies, to get us to agree and meet the Paris Climate Agreements. So that's something that country levels have done, but this is more for private organizations, individuals. And right. uh, it's a 50 million pound prize. So it's, you know, it's got a bit of money in there. It's the biggest right, thing. I'm interested, Prince... I'm interested, what we will do. Yeah, so it's the biggest thing Prince William and the Royal Foundation has ever done. Um, it's headed up by a global alliance, which are basically big brands all over the world like you know, Greenpeace, um, WWF, etc. All those stuff, big boys. And the entire point of this is a fund, uh, more people is what I was aiming at because they think that individuals can make a difference. Like, like Elon Musk's in the world, but like yeah. more of a greeny Elon Musk. Um, and it's to solve workable solutions for climate change. So there's lots of metrics that the UN have uh, proposed as part of the past climate agreement, which we've discussed before, uh, certain things that need to be done by 2030 at the bare minimum. Otherwise, we're just not going to make it. Yeah. And this prize is all about 2030. So it's, it's a decade-long um, prize. And it was first sort of um, the inspirations come from uh, John F. Kennedy's moonshot speech. When right, yeah. we're gonna get we're gonna get Americans to the moon. Right. Does this thing come with a speech as well? Like one of those, you know? Uh, not as strong. One. Not as strong. We need some. I mean, well, there has been a lot of speeches, a lot of documentaries, and a lot of um, advocacy by the second biggest person, uh, Sir David Attenborough. Right. So I watched his thing the other day. His um, what was it? A life. On, I can't remember what it's called. Um, planet. Yeah, but specifically about his his life on like the, the, how the planets change in his lifetime. Yes, is that when he looked back in time? Life on the planet or something like that is is something like that. Yeah. When yeah, he was a gonna... boy and how diverse the diversity of animals has changed since he was little and how it's hard, it's much harder to find things now and yeah, has been trashed since he was a little boy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I also saw that. I also saw they went back like 50 years to the 60s. He's with some gorillas in the middle of nowhere. And he's yeah. still had grey hair. He's, he's always been old, that guy. Yeah. Um, 
so the goal of the Earthshot uh, prize is centered around five different different Earthshots. So it's not just one; it's five. Uh, there's different five unique aims of the UN project, and they're all to be aimed and achieved by 2030. Uh, so goal one. Right. I'll go through each one because they're quite meaty. We'll understand how they do it. Okay, because I, I was worried it's just going to be, yeah, come on, something for climate change. 2030, yeah. cheers. 2030, give me a best idea. A little bit, just a little, little bit. Yep, so there's, there's examples, and there's narrows down, so it's good. pretty good. Uh, so goal one, protect and restore nature. So again, very varied. Um, so what they're saying here is by 2030, we choose to ensure that for the first time in human history, the nat natural world is growing, not shrinking. So as we know, based on our previous chats, we've been shrinking the natural world. 50, 60, maybe 100 years, we're not quite sure. We just know we've done a lot of damage. And right now we're at the point where there's our final chance to solve it. If we don't solve it by 2030, you know, we're buggered and etc. Um, so we want obviously forests, natural land, um, all those bits and pieces to be returned because they're quite vital for human health and our happiness. Um, and repairing, preserving habitats of animals, so birds, for example, will come into that category. We should look after those guys, uh, grasslands, wetlands, lakes, rivers, etc. Mm -hmm. And the Earthshore Prize uh, will be awarded to the most outstanding effort of companies, organizations, or individuals to meet this challenge. And the three examples are the following. They're looking for conservationists who would put a stop to poaching and illegal wildlife. Weirdly, well, I guess it was obvious by the title, but that was the first thing I thought about was um, drones to sort of, you know, track and stop poachers. Yeah. Sorry, go on. I mean, you could definitely do that, especially where typically the poaching happens is very solar heavy. Um, to landowners to create job opportunities for people to look after natural land. So, for example, you could be that guy who looks after the like the rural course in Scotland and yeah. says, So ah, hang on now, puffin. There's a there's a wind farm for there. Maybe relocate them somewhere they're not gonna get mashed. Let's, let's have a little uh, sit down. I'll teach you about wind farms. You can't fly near them, mate. You just can't. It's gonna kill you. Yeah, I mean, you don't mean actually to... training puffins, do you? <laughs> I'm not, not training. I'm thinking like a little metal helmet or something that's I don't know. Yeah. Vibrates when they get too close. And like, mmm, that feels freaky. I'm gonna go over this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that 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 could work. It would definitely work. You might well, stop them from dying because of the wind turbine, but they might die because of someone else. <laughs> just fall into the water and drown because they go, ah. Yeah, maybe. Um, and the final one, the example is uh, to entrepreneurs who want to help scale solutions for planting billions of trees and secure the health and safety for generations to come. So if you are got an idea to solve a problem, basically, how do we plant more trees? Where do we plant more trees? I like I this. Think. It's fun. I want to come is. up with one. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Stop. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep on going. That's just goal one. We've got five goals. So oh, if, not, if none of those tick your box, I mean, there's, there's so much scope here. Um, goal two. Clean our air. 
So by 2030, we choose to ensure that everyone in the world breathes clean, healthy air. And we expect that to be at World Health Organization standard or better. Obviously, they have certain standards of air. Um, there's not a lot of cities that achieve that right now, as we know. Even though during COVID, everyone's got a lot better. So maybe this is what we need to do a bit more of. Um, as in locking down the country? Yeah, or just, you know, stop having traffic in cities. Right, yep. Stuff like that. Um, so yeah, millions of children all over the world breathe toxic air every day. Uh, it causes countless deaths, which could relatively easily be prevented. Um, and they choose to help this by getting rid of transport that emits toxic fumes, remove pollution from the air using technology and nature, and eliminate the burning of fossil fuels. So I think they're the three obvious categories vehicles solve that problem which electric cars do mm -hmm. uh re remove pollution from the air i'm not sure how technology does that but obviously trees do that mm -hmm. um maybe invent technology that's maybe better than a tree i mean that could be quite cool um and living a burning of fossil fuels so that coal mine we discussed that's yep. a silly idea so that's you'd think you think prince william should be all over that like saying nah we're doing that Queen, stop them, would you? Come on, Queen. Yeah, I'm going I'm to ask mother <laughs> or grandmother. Put a stop to this. The peasants are digging coal again. Um, so the three categories they're looking to award in this are to innovators who create job opportunities in green transport and clean energy. So, I mean, that's Elon Musk, for example. Um, to businesses who remove pollution from the air uh, more than they put into it. So I suppose we're looking at not the carbon neutrals, but the carbon positives. Um, not a lot of examples of those so far. Um, our communities who heat our homes, travel to work, feed our families without polluting the air we breathe. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's quite a varied one, quite an interesting one. So yeah. that's, that's actually a prize to a community. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm. Um, goal three, yes. revive our oceans. Ooh. By 2030, we choose to repair and preserve our oceans for future generations. Uh, so yeah, water temperatures, pollution, harmful fishing practices um, have, have been devastating, as we know. Um, you know. Not even to mention the plastic bags that end up in the sea. Yeah. Uh, to award this, they're looking to innovators who revolutionize our understanding of life underwater. Because I think that's uh, something we should definitely do. Uh, I can't remember the exact stats, but I've often heard that we've only explored like 4% of our oceans. We don't really know um, the great depth of them. Right. We know what was space, for example, than our oceans. We keep finding new life down there. And the second category would be for leaders who end criminal and unsustainable fishing practices. Yeah. So this, this is a good, good, um, deploy the drones again. Yeah. I mean, a super drone company could solve all this, but the good thing about Brexit is we get our fishing waters back. Uh, we can stop um, a lot of the EU quarters from fulfilling their fishing 
obligations in British waters because um, Britain seems to have a lot of waters. Historically, we've always kept them. Yeah. Um, even, even talking earlier about the Scottish wind farms who travel 200 kilometers to, you know, yeah. British waters. Like we got, well, 150 miles of water above Scotland belong to us, which is just mad. And yeah, once, once we're out of the EU, uh, like for example, Portugal can't be fishing in the North Sea anymore. I think stuff like that would be useful for regulating because now we can be a bit more tougher on British ones because we know we don't really need as much. It can be a bit more like Japan, for example, where you know fish comes a lot more of our diet and becomes a lot more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third category is to technologists who repair coral reefs and show us how to remove pollution from the oceans on a global scale. That's quite a hard one, I feel. Mm. I have no idea where to start with that one. I mean, okay. ocean is, is not my strong point. No, me either. Um, but, you know, we now know that you could probably, you know, not net, but you would you could go and somehow collect a lot of the microplastic floating around the sea and then microwave it um, and then release that hydrogen back into the atmosphere. Yeah, probably not at home. Probably not something you should do at home. No, no. This was for the ocean I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we definitely could. I mean, an electric boat floating along, picking up microplastics, microwaving it. I mean, if someone. Or they'll do lots of hydrogen pops on the water and it'll just turn into water, then just become part of the ocean. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. That would be very cool. I have no idea what we're going to do with the uh, 83% of the carbon nanotubes you have left over, but one problem at a time, Greg. Yeah, I mean, as long as fish can't choke on them, maybe it's all right. Uh, goal four. I think they do. They do. Mm. Mm. Uh, goal four, build a waste-free world. So I do think this is where we'll probably fill a lot of categories. Uh, so by 2030, we choose to build a world where nothing goes to waste, where the leftovers of one process becomes the raw materials of the next, just like they do in nature. Nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would like to eliminate food waste, single-use packaging, and inspire a new generation of people, companies, and industries to reuse, repurpose, and recycle. And we will award on the following criteria. Uh, organizations that are eliminating single-use products and packaging, uh, cities that revolutionize waste management systems, and innovators who give new life to things destined for landfill. So it's that one, I think, has the most promise. Yeah, well, it has a lot more, um, like the ocean one, I feel like you require a certain understanding of marine biology and all that sort of stuff or at least chemistry and all stuff whereas this one feels like okay can you make use of a tire that no one needs anymore yes i can um yeah easier for people to not for normal people to approach uh yeah yeah i think so and the idea of uh reusing things otherwise go to landfill i mean that's basically plastic if you can figure out a way to make use of plastic like for example converting to hydrogen or you know build new constructions with said plastic, I think that you're onto a good start. Yeah. And I specifically for innovators. So 
I think the idea here is you haven't got to necessarily build this thing and have a massive um, global company doing this thing. These are ideas. The prize comes to ideas that can be proven. Uh, you know, maybe an MVP of some sort, but mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to be at the finished stage. And goal five, fix our climate. So this was the one that you thought they would have just started with. Yeah, uh, okay. Here's, yeah. here's what you gotta do, fix the climate. What are you gonna do? Um, I'm gonna do steps one to five, and then number six should sort itself out. Yeah, and profit. Uh, by 2030, we choose to fix the world's climate by cutting out carbon. Building a carbon neutral economy that lets every culture, community, and country thrive. So obviously this is the ultimate uh, Paris climate agreement angle. Um, we want to have half our usage by 2050 and eliminate all carbon by 2100. So we have 80 years to be carbon neutral and if not positive, if, if we expect to be able to, you know, not live underground for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So I do lots, worry, of, lots of things. I do worry we're going to rely a lot on carbon capture technology. I feel that's going to, that's the, it's the classic human response to, mm, we've got mm. too much carbon. We need a way of shoving it somewhere so that we don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to just going, well, let's just plant lots of trees because that would, that, that would solve the problem. That's easier. Yeah. That's how it's always worked. But yeah, so we, we have a tendency to over, whatever the word is. Over engineer? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's, there's definitely someone somewhere who's going to try and pay Elon Musk. Do you mind just taking, like, I don't know, four tons of carbon to the moon and just leaving it there? Uh, sure, well, but it's going to cost like 150 million. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's cheaper than, I don't know, planting trees. Lobbying. <laughs> yeah, planting trees. I mean, well, I mean right, right now, right now we bury it, which is stupid. So I've got to stop yeah. doing that. You're right. We are. We're just going to send it. We're going to, going to send it on a rocket to the sun. Okay, that's cheaper. We'll do that. Yeah. We'll, I, mic I mean, we'll microwave everything, release all the hydrogen, take all the carbon nanotubes left over, and send it on a rocket to the sun. I, I feel like we can use carbon nanotubes. I'm not, not sure why. It kind of feels like. Well, we should be built out of it, presumably. That's what you know. If nature can build itself out of it, then presumably we can. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're all carbon. In the day, so you know, we could be like, grow some kidneys in a lab, as man. But uh, so the three categories to award in this one, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, three categories would be to uh, cities or countries. So, this is obviously a bigger one, yeah, uh, who reach net zero emissions. So, the first country to get net zero, get some cash from Prince William. So, that's that's a nice little thing, but I don't imagine as a country that they would really need that much money. If you're net zero, you're probably quite wealthy, and and you're and you're just saving. You're you're now currently saving a ton of money. Yeah, but you you might have had to invest a fair bit, but I I'm my bets on Norway to win. Norway are they the closest? Do you know, they're doing a well. They're like they're, they're certainly got a lot more electric cars than we have. Uh, I think they're more more offshore wind than we have. So yeah, I think they're they're, they're up there anyway. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how Norway proceeds. I mean, I'm not sure if they've got some sort of leaderboard for this, but that would be pretty cool. Uh, number two is to leaders who create millions of new jobs in a carbon neutral economy. So that's a very difficult ask. What's that? 
Is that what Boris is going for? He wants that one. Yeah, it's going to make millions of jobs. If I millions of jobs, yeah, yeah, that's what it's going to do. Not thousands, millions. But this is specifically in a carbon neutral economy, so we won't be carbon neutral. Oh. Like those wind turbines will take how many years to regain their carbon offset? Oh. Say 10, 15 years each. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, we're not going to be carbon neutral. So that's a very that's a difficult one. That's kind of something maybe you would do after 2030 can't really see how you do it beforehand. And that's, it's just an idea that, oh, once this happens, we can do this. Like, oh yeah, amazing. You know, never thought of that. Um, and number three, to technologists who remove carbon from the atmosphere on a global scale whilst protecting human life and nature. Not offshore wind farms, killing birds. No. But like a global scale, I'm not, I have no idea how you do that. It's maybe those uh, scientists in um, a Tidron Collider, maybe if they actually figure out how to actually safely open a black hole that only sucks in carbon, that would be amazing. It's like, oh, yeah, it's fine, perfectly safe. It only takes in CO2, and we'll turn it off after. What uh, we do is we put on a carbon filter, uh, and it only lets carbon through. It's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, we'll turn it off after, like, Four and a half minutes, and we should be like good. <laughs> I mean, these don't these turn it off. It won't turn off. The fill is breaking. Yeah. Oh well. Where, where's where's Muskin's rockets? Ah! We, need, we need we need to get Mars now. <laughs> um. So the prize. So it's all about the Earthshot prize, but I haven't actually mentioned what the prize is. Well, it's money, isn't it? It's going to be money. It's not going to be like a signed copy from the prince, is it? Of his photo. I don't want a signed copy from the prince. I mean, I mean, it's it's not part of the prize, but what should really happen is you just instantly get knighted. It's like, well done, you're now sir. That'd be pretty cool. I think it should be a free ticket to live on Mars. <laughs> yeah congratulations you may have done the best of saving our own planet but as we probably haven't would you like to go to mars you got a free ticket yeah so yeah great idea your job is to not let this happen again deal <laughs> yeah you are now the new president of mars <laughs> yeah so uh the, the awards aren't that great unfortunately but they are five one million pound prizes which will be awarded every year. So one per goal category. So right. every single year, we're going to have a winning idea organization or whatever um, in each category every single year for 10 years. So there's going to be 50 solutions to solve this problem. And they're all going to be earth shots or earth shot ideas of some sort, which um, I personally think is an amazing idea. Yeah. It's maybe not a lot of money, but considering you don't really have to produce this thing, you just need to have maybe a scientific um, report that's, that shows the feasibility of your idea, perhaps, yeah. and says, oh, look, if we built this thing, which will cost, I don't know, half a trillion, we can then fix this problem. It's like, yeah, here's a million quid, fella. <laughs> don't know. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so there's five million pound prizes per all every year for the next years. Uh, after the awards, each winner will also receive a global platform 
um, prestigious profile and their stories will be showcased over the decade and I suppose effectively we, we class as one of the saviors of humankind. Well make Sorry. me famous lot. Yeah I mean well, we also name <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah Northern that, that's that's how thing you pass on to your kids that's a legacy. So so how did you solve this climate crisis dad? Well funny you should ask I'm the Earthshot guy I'm one of the 50 guys who did this thing. I'm one of the Earthshot 50, yes. Yeah. I'm number 32. Is that why we live on Mars? That's right, son. We didn't quite make it, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes. My idea was good, but the other 49 were rubbish. And that's why we, that's why we had to move here. Yeah, the problem was Musk left a bit too early. Um... Yeah, so the prize money will also then be spent uh, supporting environmental and conservative projects uh, that are agreed with the winners. So you don't necessarily get all the money. You are then basically dishing that money out. I mean, you might get some of some sort to cover your costs or whatever. I don't know. But the idea is that this money goes to good causes. Um, and shortlisted nominees will also be given tailored support to keep on for the next year. For example, you come second or third in the category this year. You know, you get a good shot cracking on for next year. That type of stuff. So I'm not really sure how... I have no idea, Craig. It's really yeah. easy. Ready? If your country is carbon neutral, mm. you get automatic free trade agreements with any other country. That'll work. Boom. Done. Yeah. Because that's all they ever argue about, isn't it? trade deals and tariffs and stuff all right well yeah come the come zero get every country to agree that if there's another country that has got zero emissions or carbon neutral whatever then they will offer free tariffs for, for, for any product doesn't matter yeah. get every That's country up. every country to agree that everyone will want to have it because they want to have the free tariff that sounds pretty good yeah that kind of sounds like a, like a bonus perk in like civilization five where once you've achieved a certain level, you get like plus ten percent gold every time you every time you trade. You just get more money. Maybe maybe, maybe nobody fine. pays tax as soon as soon as you get carbon neutral economy. Nobody pays tax. Everyone's incentive. Uh, maybe yeah. I mean, like you know, governments could um, issue out. You know, they give like council tax or sorry, money to councils. You know, it could be slightly dependent on how much of a green area you have. For every square mile of, of trees, you have X amount of pounds. So that you don't yeah. want to then build on it. <laughs> well, before I before I talk about the entry, are you in? I'm 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 done. I mean obviously if you've if you've just watched this episode uh, and you actually managed to f submit the application before I do, um, then well you know, well done. Because I, I had twenty four hours and I should have done it earlier. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I think I think I've done it, mate. I think I've done it. I'm very pleased with myself. It's it sounds good. Problem solved. It sounds good. So, so the entry requirements are: <laughs> there's application process as you expect, um, which opened on the first of November, so in about what five six weeks, um, and that would be for the year of 2021. Um, you basically get in contact with a, nomination, a nominated partner and you get screened and shortlisted for consideration. And that's how that process works. So there's a, there's a few hurdles before you get um, up the 
peg. And the awards take place every year in different cities. And this year, the inaugural event takes place in London. So now is the best time ever if you want to be able to push this thing and attend those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's just down the road, really. So we have six weeks. Six weeks to the moonshot idea that solves one of those problems. Other than the one I just had. Other than that. Unless, unless that's what he's going to go with and just peg it. Because you're going to have to do some research to see how you can do that. It's that one or the drones. I mean, it doesn't say you can't do multiple. Yeah. I'll do, I'll do one for each group. Yeah, why not? Go all in. Multi-shot. If you're listening to this and you've had a brilliant idea, that's even better than mine. <laughs> Put it in the comments. We can all steal it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, we, so we can discuss them. We got to be good fun, right? I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I think the projects are going to come from this. I, I really want to see what type of earth shots people have. So, this is obviously a global thing. Um, it's been 50 projects in total are going to win, but that must be 500. I feel like I want them to be really clever. Like, yeah. I'm worried that they're going to be as, as simple as the one I just came up with. And then someone's going to get like a million quid for that. And I'm going, like, really? Anyone could have come up with that. <laughs> well, it has to be something they can prove in a sense. Like, for example, if you sat down now and did a research paper and you interviewed, I don't know, some European leaders on yeah. whether or not they would agree to these terms, and like, I don't know, they all said, yes, I will, sir. And then you'd be like, wow, I've cracked it's it. Possible. Think this, yeah. Just give, you know, give Prince Wells a ring and just say, look, fella, I got it. Who do I talk, who do I talk to? <laughs> Just need a just need a few curve angles with some presidents and prime ministers. Yeah, if you just uh, you know, uh, sling me a tanner, I get a bus to London and uh, <laughs> we'll meet up. Yeah. Uh, Zoom call, mate. I mean, honestly, I don't need public transport. Mate. This is uh, this, this is twenty twenty. We don't we don't go meeting people. I just need I just need a Zoom call with a president. Yeah, just just put me in touch. Um, so. If you do get screened and shortlisted for consideration, you'll be put in front of the prize council. So the prize council exists of a bunch of members, um, quite a lot of famous names you would know. So I'll read them off. Uh, Prince William, as you already know. Uh, Sir David Attenborough. Her Majesty Queen Rania al-Abdullah. Uh, I'm not actually sure where she's the queen of. Uh, Kate Blanchett. Right. <laughs> uh, Christina Figueres, um, who was the architect of the past climate agreement, who we've discussed previously. Right, yeah. Um, Daniel Alves da Silva, Popola. Uh, okay. Hindu Umaru Ibrahim. Um, not sure. Indra Noyi. Uh, Jack Ma. You know that guy? Um, what's the word? Alibaba? Alibaba? Yeah. yeah. Ch Chinese British man. The guy that Elon Musk uh, famously disagreed with. And a lot, of it, a lot of things. Wait, he's a bit weird, to be fair. Yep. Um, Noko Yamazaki. I right. uh, believe he's a basketball player from Japan. No, sorry, no. She is part of the Japanese space agency. And Dr. Nagozi Okunyo Awila. 
I'm um, murdering these people's names right now. Or have you, have you, I, I mean, I, I could very well be. Right. So okay. if, if I said your name wrong, Dr. Nagozi Okinawa Eweli, please get in contact. Preferably <laughs> um, <for> in <being> English. <laughs> um, an easy one now coming up. Shakira. As in Shakira, Shakira? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she got me a stage now. I'm not actually sure what her real name is. I mean, she put down like a um, Susan. Serena. Yeah, Susan Francis. Uh, yeah, who's that? Um, and Yao Ming. He's the basketball guy. Right. So Sorry. that I forgot what the point of this list was. What is it? They, the people they're going to give you a hug or something. It was. They're, they're the prize council, so your they're ideal would go before these people, and they decide who gets the cash. Right. So you could have a cracking idea that Sartenborough and William would love, but then yeah, Jack Ma and I don't know. Kate Blanchett might say, nah, it's poor. Rubbish. And, yeah. you know, I'm not sure how they could do this. Maybe they all do it over Zoom, whatever. But, yeah, if they don't agree with your idea, you don't win. So that's what happens when you get shortlisted for consideration. I'm not sure. I mean, they do shortlist. Let's say it's 10. These are the people who decide. So it's interesting to know that Shakira's on that list because I didn't know she did anything in this area. I know she was part of the UN, perhaps. Maybe peacekeeping for children, perhaps. I'm not sure. No, but either way, it's cool. And not quite a speech, but a quote from Prince William on launching this project is the earth is at a tipping point and we face a stark choice. Either we continue as we are with irreparable damage or we remember our unique power as human beings and our continued ability to lead, innovate and problem solve. People can achieve great things in the next 10 years, present us with one of the greatest tests, a decade of action to repair the earth. So maybe not as in, um, invigorating as uh, we're going to put a man on the moon. No, but... I mean, maybe he, I mean, he makes parties in the delivery, maybe. Um, maybe I'll, I'll find his original, um, uh, if it was ever recorded, maybe we can play it. I mean, I imagine this, this this was said like, you know, like a week ago. Not like in the 40s or anything. But... Um, background music, I'm sure, you know, it's not amazing. Probably, yeah. Like, you know, photos of the kids smiling in the background about how the world's going to be great. A, a tree every now and then. But ultimately, great project, great prize. And I'm very, very interested to see what type of earth shots come from this and i am what's that sea forests sea forests will grow trees on the sea yeah that's okay. what that's the, the new thing now everything we, we haven't got enough land space so we'll just put it on the sea so or we'll just we'll, we'll figure out ways of planting millions of trees and have them float around the sea yeah i mean if we could figure out how to plant trees into plastic that'd be pretty good i'll get on it I mean, yeah, there's, so many, there's, there's I mean, so many ideas. Floating trees, why not? But floating forests, you can just like drive them to where, to where they need it. Like the South, South Africa's is a bit carbon heavy. Let's bring in four forests. Well, they, could, they could hire it. You know, can. If, if their area isn't very clean, then they can, uh, they can hire a forest for a day to purify the air. That would be very revolutionary. Yeah. I mean, these, these cruise ships are not doing anything. They could carry trees. They could tow them along, couldn't they? Yeah. 
Yeah, they could take like a good, I don't know, five, maybe 6,000 trees. It's, it's, you know what? It's, it's just about crazy enough that it might, might be an idea as well. <laughs> I, th- I think that's a good shot. I mean, that's definitely an earth shot. It's definitely one. It's got to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you haven't got to buy a cruise ship or like an aircraft carrier or something. You just got to say, I've, just gotta, I've, done, I've, the, I've done the maths. <laughs> I've just got to, well, surely I at least need to grow a tree and float it somewhere just to prove it doesn't fall over. Well, I mean, it's not, the roots aren't going to be like floating on the water, are they? No, no, not exactly, no. You're going to you're ah. gonna, you're gonna have to put it into, you know, something that's floating, which is deep enough for the tree to grow into. Yeah. But the roots might stick out the bottom. Yeah, I mean, can you hydro, hydroponically grow a tree without any soil? Presumably. And like a little fish underneath, like nibbling the roots and stuff. I don't know, but I'm definitely going to go and try and do that now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you could solve that problem. And I, I, I do like the idea of, of portable forests. It's yeah. like, uh, what's, what's that Brazil? You've cut down your forest? Well, well, you know, for a small price of 10 million, we can drive one over. <laughs> be, there, be there in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I do. I mean, I would also give... Uh, maybe not millions of jobs, but it would provide jobs in the sustainable sector of uh, mobile forests. Maintenance. Well, you could, I mean, some people might want to live in a forest that's floating around the sea. You never know. So people could pay rent. Yeah. They could do their own fishing off the side. Sustainably, obviously. Um, I mean, you're going to have to go off grid because you literally you know, floating in the Atlantic Ocean, probably, so. Yeah. I mean, it's something to think about, anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think they're the type of Earthshot ideas they're looking for. So I think we should definitely put our heads together, see if we can solve all these problems. I think we should definitely put an entry in. I'm I'm very keen to see how this plays out. Mm. I I feel like we should apply, do something. Yeah. I, I think I think everyone should. I think anyone who's got any sort of wacky idea, you know, spend some time on this for six weeks, validate it to yourself, and if it sounds in any way possible, yeah, go for it. There's no cost to this. Yeah, Good. Um, that's that's your act for today, anyway. It is your act is to go apply to the Earthshot Prize. Fantastic. Uh, Opens on the 1st of November for 2021 entries. You've got six weeks. No, you don't. You don't no, you don't. No, did you say the 1st of November? Oh, yeah. We're in October. I thought we were in September. You've got two weeks. Sorry, yeah. Time. Two weeks. you got a fortnight. Well, I mean, stop that's the episode and go do it. <laughs> that, that's when they open. I don't actually know when they close. Oh, okay. Maybe they close, you know, 2021. So three months, two months, one month. Yeah, two months. I don't know, whatever. Um, not long. Solve one of the problems. And those goals again were protect and restore nature, clean our air, revive our oceans, build a waste-free world, and fix our climate. Grand, grand aims. Mm. Um, there must be ideas out there. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what people would apply for this and. 
I hope they do publish the full list, even if they don't win. Because that would that'd be amazing. Because, you know, even if it's not a winner, it still doesn't mean it shouldn't be done and someone could pick it up and run with it. Definitely not. Uh, as I've already said, anyone who's come, you know, shortlisted nominees, basically, I'm not sure how many they are shortlisted, but I say one wins and there's been 10 shortlisted, the other nine will have be coached and give tailored support from these people on the prize council and their advisors on how to take that idea a bit further. Maybe, you know, they maybe need to validate a bit more. Maybe, maybe they'll pull an issue with the fact that, yeah, but, you know, forests on boats, like they're not going to offset the carbon the boats produce and electric boats aren't that great yet. So we need a bit more time on this one. Maybe come back in 2025. I mean, that'd, that'd be great. Very cool. Very cool indeed. And that's all I've got. So, all right. Well, it's um, it's probably it's been about an hour. So I think that's probably enough for everybody. Um, so on that note, um, thank you for watching. Um, remember to think, educate, and act. And we will see you next week. Mm, bye bye. Bye.